<clears throat> and I want to start tonight by asking you a question. And uh, I guess it's a question that I could put like this. What in your mind are, are things that naturally go together? Uh, things that naturally go together. My mind almost instantly um, goes to food. I was speaking to a little boy this afternoon. His name's Elijah, who just moved here with his family from the United States. And somebody asked him, what is your favorite food? And I didn't expect the answer that he gave, but I, it does sound pretty good. A warm flatbread tortilla with peanut butter and strawberry jam. I want to try that this week. It sounded, it sounded really good. Um, being that he's American, I could, maybe you've heard Americans say it's something is as American as mom and apple pie. I don't know what the British equivalents are uh, for you guys. I know we've been talking about uh, the, the Christmas book, A Chesington Christmas, things we associate with Christmas, family, time spent with family, the feast. We love to celebrate things with, with food and the fairy tale. There's the wonder of it all. There's things that we naturally um, put together. Now, I'm going to put up a picture, if you guys will, of some world leaders from a long period ago, at the end of World War II. This picture was taken in February of 1945 in Yalta, in the Crimea. And these world leaders, as you probably well know this one, Sir Winston Churchill, President Franklin Roosevelt, and Joseph Stalin. They just disappeared on us for a moment, back into history. But you would not have said, maybe six, seven years prior to this, that these three men should have been together. You wouldn't have thought um, an elder statesman of, of empire and product of aristocracy uh, to some extent, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, just a you know, leader of America, still in its, I don't know, at that point, what were we? We were like teenagers on the stage of the world? I don't know, but we were finding our stride. And a tyrant, a butcher in his own right, but something brought them together. The threat of Nazism and, and all of that brought these three together because they, they knew that they needed one another. In fact, Winston Churchill, if you put up just his picture on the next screen, said this about these allies. It's on your page. He says, there's one thing worse than fighting with allies, and that is fighting without them. See, that picture represented each one having a contribution that they brought to World War II um, that brought it to the end that it did for the, for the good of the world. Um, in fact, Winston Churchill also said about America entering the war, he says, I knew before America entered the war, I knew we could not win it on our own. But after she entered it, I knew we could not lose. Partnership. Doing things together, some things just naturally go together. And as we've been talking about a church on the move, the idea of not just we're on the move for the sake of being on the move or somehow we're doing it on our own. If we're thinking about what we've been thinking about over the last few weeks, of God for his glory with a particular mission of taking his blessing to the world, of extending new life through, through Christ, through the gospel, and establishing people, all of that, that naturally lends itself and should produce not works in isolation, but works that are interdependent and interconnected. 
In fact, at the top of your page, it says partnering in the gospel. But the original title I meant to give to this and should have given it tonight is this idea of being interdependent and interconnected because it is the life and mission and purpose of God for his church globally, not just in individual locations. In fact, that statement you see there in the middle says, as we continue to look at the church in Antioch, that's where we have kind of focused for the last couple of weeks, this amazing church, uh, top right corner, if you will, of the Mediterranean, just above uh, up the coast from where everything is happening right now in, in Israel and in Gaza. Uh, 2,000 years ago nearly, there was a city, Antioch. And the church that was there was a consequential church in God's movement in the New Testament, in, in New Testament times. And when, as we observe it again tonight, again, some of the same verses, if you've been paying attention, I've been using some of the same verses through these weeks, but taking a slightly different angle each week, just to make some observations about how things were happening at that time. And as we look at this church tonight, through which God is on the move, we'll see that it is used by Him, in a term you hear a lot around here, gospel partnership, of doing things together. The amazing thing about the church of Jesus Christ is the diversity of it. I'm here in front of you speaking tonight as part of a representation. But if you think about it, the church around the world, there are, there are so many ways in which where you see the church of Jesus Christ in Asia, in Europe, in Africa, in North America, around the globe, there are so many cultural diversity uh, dynamics to it, which is, should be expected. Jesus said that the mission, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, was that to go and make disciples of all nations and the composition of the church in our time is reflective of that. But in all that diversity that he brings together, we are better together as a result. And as we look at these different verses and we see him bringing his, his work to life in us and through us, it's not necessarily that the things we've looked at over the last few weeks don't apply when we're working uh, interconnectedly and interdependently. What it means is that all those things of both extending and establishing, of more and more people coming into the kingdom and more and more people getting developed into fully uh, de devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we do that better together, tapping into all the diversity and strength that God has um, endowed by putting the body of Christ together the way it is. There's things we learn from one another. There's things we gain from one another. Just like those three guys shouldn't have been on that platform uh, at, the end of, at the beginning of 1945, God can also bring different dynamics together. And as we look at this church in Antioch, I just want us to see there's a few short statements for us to look at tonight. And then I want to conclude our time again tonight with just um, some time of prayer, one or two of you around each table about this whole idea of gospel partnership. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 11 again and focus in on this church in Antioch. And we, these are actually verses we've looked at at least twice now, but I want us to look at them again from this angle of partnership and how a church that God is on the move through will be used in gospel partnership. 
Now, I'm just going to, I have on your page 19 to 24. I think 22 to 24 is on the screen, but I just want to give the context at verse 19. If you remember, there's this flow in the book of Acts. It starts in Jerusalem. Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and then Judea and all of Samaria and then to the othermost parts of the earth. Verse 19, it says that there were people who had been scattered by persecution in connection with Stephen, and they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, non-Jews also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, as you would expect, because this was his plan. Not just that it was a message for one group of people, but for the world. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. This new life was emerging. In that first statement I have there, where new life is emerging in gospel partnership, investment will be made to encourage greater fruitfulness. Where new life is emerging, investment, involvement will take place to encourage greater fruitfulness. Look what happens. Verse 22, what's on our screen, <clears throat> news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, so back down the coast, south from Antioch, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now, why did they do that? I mean, what business is of theirs? What was happening in Antioch? That's Antioch's business, right? Wrong. It's God's work. He said, you're to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to uttermost parts of the earth. His, his vision, his mission is not simply local. It then went regional and it went global. And so they had, no one had to tell them, they knew the mission. The Spirit led them in light of what God's uh, movement would prompt them to do, naturally prompt them to do. So here you have a church in Jerusalem going to Antioch, and notice what Barnabas does. When he arrived and saw that the grace, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them. Now, these are verses we talked about a few weeks ago in terms of people being established in the faith. But as he encourages what's happening there, Notice what it leads to. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Here was a church in Jerusalem that saw, and I think this is a very important principle for us to consider, as followers of Jesus Christ, that he has brought together as a church where they saw the Spirit of God at work they took it as an invitation, prayerfully, led by the Holy Spirit, to join him. To encourage something. God is on the move in and through his church. And he started through the activity of certain people under the circumstances of persecution and other things that wherever they went, what did they start doing? Proclaiming the Lord Jesus. In various ways and in different places, and the Holy Spirit moved and things started to happen. New life started to emerge and people, churches, a church in Jerusalem sent somebody to encourage already what was happening there. And as a result, there was greater fruitfulness. So that's one of the ways that a church that is being used by him in gospel partnership um, 
can be used as investment is made to encourage, encourage greater faithfulness. Now, why is this so important? Well, if you were here last week, I hope you weren't depressed when I started talking about um, wisely overcoming challenges. And we looked at a variety of different challenges. We looked at direct opposition. We looked at um, doctrinal controversy. And we looked at the most common one, uh, dueling personalities, this interpersonal conflict. Probably 80 or 90% of the problems in ministry, challenges in ministry come from people simply disagreeing. But why is this so important, this idea of encouraging where God is at work for greater fruitfulness? Because if we really grasp this, everything in this world and in the supernatural world is working against the kingdom of God. This is not an agenda, a mission to which we have many natural allies. In fact, it can be quite discouraging to engage in gospel ministry. There are places in this world um, where it is very, very, very difficult. And encouragement is such a vital part. In fact, um, in terms of Global workers, missionaries who go um, around the world, the vast majority uh, don't go for longer than seven years. And they get discouraged. And guess one of, the, one of the greatest reasons why missionaries get discouraged? Working with one another. That's the biggest cause of missionaries leaving. Why is, why is this all so important? Because that's the vital point at which time, in, in intercultural terms, where they start functioning well in a society and can share the gospel effectively and get it. Now, I bring that up because there are so many different challenges and the headwinds are against. That's just one example. The number of, you don't have to be a pastor, but I'm putting this in terms of pastors, the number of pastors who say they feel isolated and lonely and discouraged. And then even as Mike was sharing this morning about being honest in our claiming of Jesus and our walk with him, that we can just get discouraged. So when it comes to the work of the gospel, we need encouragement in our own context, but there also is this sense of interdependentness and interconnectedness where we need to be vehicles of encouragement, not just in faithfulness, but then also all the more where something new is happening, where a harvest is occurring. You know, as we talked last week, the challenge is going to come. So that's why Barnabas showed up and said, be faithful, be faithful. One aspect of gospel partnership. Another one, where new life is emerging there will be an effort to make sure it is solidly established. Again, this is nothing new. We talked about, would you rather be a part of a church that's reaching more and more people, or would you rather be a part of a church that's building people up? And we said that the answer to that is yes. It has to be both all the time to be honoring to Him. But in the same way that it happens at a local context, it doesn't change as we look out. And we say, how can we, as ministries in different places and different contexts, be better 
together in establishing where God is at work and where people are coming in and growing them. Look at what, again, the verses we looked at in Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Um, if you go to the next set of verses, guys, we have this. So after there was this great harvest, it says Barnabas went to Tarsus. Now, you can read through these chapters and, and miss these little elements that Jerusalem got involved. Then here's Saul. He's in another part of the ancient near uh, Middle East. He went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to, to Antioch. So you have now more than one direction. <laughs> God's doing something in Antioch. Barnabas comes from Jerusalem. Saul comes from Tarsus. And what do they do? For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So here you have again a scenario. So we look at the church in Antioch and we see how God is on the move in this church. This is a hub church as we're going to see in just a moment. This is a church as you read through the pages of the book of Acts that continually has life coming in and out of it. This is a key church that God was using and and in this church, you see all of these patterns of partnership that are there that are wise for us to look at because we are a part of a group of churches called the FIEC. And part of that stands for the uh, Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. But independent solely is in terms of how we govern ourselves. It's not in how we relate to one another and engage in ministry. We're not meant to be independent silos, kind of like here's a column and here's a column and here's a column and here's a column. We're meant to be more like gears and cogs that spin in different ways. Some are bigger, some are smaller, some move really slow, <laughs> some, move, some move quicker, different, different dynamics, and they're meant to come together for all kinds of things. Yes, to encourage where God is at work, but you know what? Again, just like in a church, if, if all we're doing is reaching people and not establishing anybody, that work will not sustain it's kind of like maybe like a sickness, a growth that will go really fast, but it, it, it doesn't really sustain. At the same time, if we're so inwardly just establishing ourselves without looking out and encouraging new growth, well, then that's going to stagnate as well. We're meant to be interconnected, locked arms, looking out to the world, and not only locked arms with one another individually in a local church, doing it locally, but churches to churches, movements to movements, countries to countries, interconnected, looking out and saying, how do we encourage where we see new life occurring and where we see new life occurring? How are we investing? How is there being an effort made to make sure that it's solidly established? Because remember, God wants to work for his glory so that there are people from every tribe, nation, and tongue following him, giving glory to him. It's not simply about uh, numbers or conversions and, and all that's necessary and a part of it, but it's about his glory and a sustainable movement over time and over the surface of this globe until he returns. 
So where new life is emerging, investment will be made to encourage greater fruitfulness. Where new life is emerging, there's going to be an effort to make sure that it's solidly established. Again, we're talking in an interconnected way, an independent way. We'll talk a little bit uh, about how we do that here at King's Church in just a moment. But I want you to look at the back of your page because this comes into what I was just talking about in terms of the establishing and extending. And maybe we could have started with this, but it's, it's just the way the rhythm and the, the, the pages of the book of Acts go. But where there is little to no gospel light, a church on the move will work to extend gospel ministry, trusting for new life in Christ to emerge. It will work to extend gospel ministry, trusting God for the harvest is another way to put it. Now again, we looked at Acts chapter 13, the beginning of Acts chapter 13 from a different light, but if you guys could put those verses up. Again, this is in Antioch. And we looked at this a few weeks ago because um, the verses right before this talk about the diverse um, composition of this group of people that there are uh, people from all over and different races and such that, that he's moving. But here, we looked at these verses and it says that God, we were talking a few weeks ago about God moving in a powerful way in their times of worship together and directing them. And it says here, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. There was this conviction. Again, if we think about what we know, what Jesus said, that he will, you know, uh, that, that he would build his church. That he, he said to his disciples, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in, in Judea, and all of Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so when the Holy Spirit spoke into their time of worship, saying it's a moment to extend, because that's what this is about, it made sense. They didn't think it was just about our location. It was about God's vision to the world. It's a movement that goes that goes out. And so this sparked, if we put up the next map, a uh, picture I have, a map of the first, what we call the first missionary journey. And they went on a journey that led them to Cyprus and around up into what's now modern day Turkey. And through all of this, people were converted. And something that started down here in Jerusalem, <laughs> and then Judea and Samaria, and then came up here to Antioch, and then from Antioch went and it extended. <clears throat> we saw just a few weeks ago, if we go to our next slide, that it went even further. I'm just recounting this because as we look at this, uh, you can go the, you can leave that one up. Go to the next slide actually, guys. Yeah, right here. Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. We talked about how uh, Paul and his fellow travelers uh, were called by God to go into what is now modern-day Europe. And here's why. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. Sorry, guys, if you go to that previous map you just had up, that led to this, the second missionary journey. Yeah, that is the second missionary journey. Sorry, I was just making sure it was right. And they came up, and they came up here and around, and this is where they wanted to, to preach in here. But God said, no, and he gave him a vision. Come and help us. And so they took it because they understood the Holy Spirit was moving to take them to extend gospel ministry where he wanted it to go for his glory. And there is one more. If you go to the Acts chapter 18 verse, guys, that would be great. Paul comes back to Antioch and he, he goes back to every place that they had visited in what is now Turkey, strengthening all of the disciples. So there's that establishing part. But guess what happens in the establishing part? God starts working to extend again, <laughs> particularly in this place called Ephesus. There's a couple there in Acts chapter 18. I'm just turning there quickly. You don't have to. There's a couple there named Priscilla and Aquila. And they meet a man named Apollos. <clears throat> and they lead him to faith. And then he starts proclaiming the gospel in Ephesus. And people start coming to Christ. And there is another movement. If you go to the next slide, guys. This is on this journey. And Paul says, I'm going to go and visit everybody. And he comes back to Ephesus. And go to the next slide, guys. He entered the synagogue, it says, as he got to Ephesus and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. Challenges, remember we talked about that. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that, listen, all of the Jews and Greeks, so pretty much everybody, <laughs> who lived in the province of Asia, heard the word of the Lord. All of these are examples of a dynamic that I just want us to clock and appreciate. What we saw in the, the previous things where we looked at, you know, where there is new life, that you, know, you come in and encourage it, where there is new life for, for greater fruitfulness. Where there's new life, you want to make sure that it's being established. But there are places where there is no light. And God's mission is that the light would shine in those dark places. And we see this happening time and time and time again. That in partnership, they just didn't say, let's focus on Antioch and reach all of Antioch. Antioch was a church that under the direction of the Holy Spirit, as you would expect, remember this is about a church that through whom and in whom God is on the move, God prompted them, you could say in partnership, to, to go. To extend gospel ministry, to send people so that Christ would be named and known and known and, and worshipped where he's not. Because why? For his glory. He's worthy. This is his mission. So we may be concluding at this point, wait a minute, this sounds like all the same stuff we've talked about that a local church should be doing. Yes, 
These are all things that a local church should be doing, a church like ours. What does this mean in terms of what they did? And a dynamic that is in play here that I want you to be encouraged by, that I want us to never lose. And that is that God intends that the church of Jesus Christ in all of its different forms and in all of its diversity and all of its location continues to link arms together in the most unexpected ways possibly so that the work of the gospel is encouraged where it's bearing fruit to bear more fruit, that it's established so that it sustains and that it extends to places where Christ is not yet known so that he is named and worshipped and glorified in those places. It's the same aims, but the reality is God meant for us to do it together. That we're better together, just like an elder statesman of empire and probably a brash leader of a new democracy and a tyrant came together in partnership. What you would never expect and something good for the world came. Something better, far better, eternally better for the world arrived in Jesus Christ and the gospel. And his intent, God's intent, was that the church of Jesus Christ, as I said, in all of its diversity, that he would move through us for his glory and for his purposes. So that's why I have this summary on the back of your page. I want to remind you of the journey we have been on. If you've been here from the first, if you haven't, this is just a reminder for you. The principles and such that I just kind of sought to trace out in the book of Acts to help us think about what it means to be a church that where God is on the move. That it is for his glory. More than anything, that is the thing that holds it all together. The foundation. Because nothing else can sustain. That it's in God's, with God's mission. That he first sown in, with Abraham, you will be a blessing to all nations. And we see ultimately coming to fruit in the gospel of Jesus Christ where he says, go make disciples of all nations. That it goes to the world. That we cannot do this in our own power. It's a God-sized mission for his glory how dare we think we could ever do it in our power? That it's meant to bring new life. As that gospel extends, it's meant to bring new life where there is lacking spiritual life. Balanced with people being developed, overcoming challenges that will come. And as we looked at tonight, that we're interconnected in this. We're not uh, riding a uh, solo no lone rangers we're partnering effectively you've, you've heard perhaps this talk as a church our mission is to invite all people into an ever grow ever growing relationship with king jesus and one of the things we do as a church and we say as we pursue that is that we partner effectively in the gospel it's not just something that sounds nice or feels nice it's part of the very essence of what it means to be the church on the move you may not know this, hopefully you do, but I want you to be aware of it. And you'll hear more in the coming weeks because um, we've met, there's a, there's a team here at church called the Mission Core Team that um, helps us kind of, as a church, think about partnership and engage in partnership and communicate about partnership. We just went through a list of our partners and there are 17 different entities. If you read the Mission Prayer Diary that comes out every month, you know that these are these are partnerships around this type of stuff that we've talked about tonight. 17 different partners around this area, 
in this nation and around the world. People who have been either sent out from this church or somebody from someplace else that God led and led us to say, wait a minute, we can bring something to this equation that will encourage what's already happening. We can bring something to this equation that will help establish what God is doing. Or maybe in pioneering, someone can go out and extend the gospel light where it's not now. So I want to encourage you to pray for these partners. If you don't know who they are, you can, you can get that mission prayer diary. You're going to be hearing more about them because there's also financial commitment that went out uh, that you'll hear more about in the coming weeks uh, that comes, comes out at the end of the year that we commit to, to partner with these, these different partners uh, with grants. And one important one is coming up that you're going to hear more about. I'm going to get a letter from me this week and some other communication, but here's the sneak peek, okay? Um, our Christmas offering is coming. And some of you are very well, well, well aware of our Christmas offering as a church, that we uh, take an offering at this time because in partnership we bless other ministries, the work they're doing. The Christmas offering this year will go live by the end of the week, and two partners that we're going to be engaging with in this way, um, Caring for Life and Hope for Children, Latvia. And so you're going to hear more about those ministries throughout the week if you don't know what they are. Some of you know very well who they are. Um, you're going to be getting a letter from me about that. There'll be some communication going out um, in the, uh, the weekly news that goes out, a little video we're going to try to put together to help you understand that, and then a link to give to that. I'm not plugging it tonight to, to say, yes, give, 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 though it'd be wonderful if we would pray about what the Lord would have us to give. But I think what would be wonderful, us to, wonderful for us to do tonight is in preparation for that offering, but also in light of the fact that God is on the move. And these partnerships that we are giving to are, are evidence of that. And so what I'd like for you to do in closing is to think about all that we've talked about tonight and think about over the last few weeks and everywhere that God has brought us. And we're going into the next few weeks for Christmas. We're taking a pause from Sunday nights so that we can focus on a season of outreach as a church. We'll bring, bring it back in the new year with some new things. Um, but to pray that God would be on the move through these partnerships that we're going to be focused on in our Christmas offering. And as we think about how God has called us to partner together to reach this community over this Christmas season, uh, that God would use us. So I'm just going to uh, pray briefly. And then if you guys could just have one or two of you pray around your tables and then I'll close us. So let's, let's do that. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence now. And I think one thing that comes into my mind as I look back and think back over this conversation we've had over several weeks about this idea of movement and of your glory and of your mission in this world. And for me, Lord, I just cannot help but think of how helpful this is, at least from my perspective, because it's so easy to get caught up in the pressures and rhythms of life in our own plans, in our own glory, that we can lose sight of something far greater and grander and enduring that we're meant to be a part of. 
that our lives are meant to be invested in, and that is being your church, being a part of your movement to send the good news of your son around this world and to bring gospel transformation, people transformed, brought to life through the gospel, changed to be more like Jesus for your glory, brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Lord, we've talked tonight about how that's done not in isolation, just in our little patch of southwest London, but Lord, with others in our region and in this nation and around the world, to be interconnected, to be linked arms, facing out, but also established and strengthened and and, um, growing together. And so, Lord, we we thank you that there is evidence in this church, both in the past and in the present, that you are on the move. And we are confident as we look to the horizon, Lord, that what you have begun you will finish and that you will keep your promise that through the good news of Jesus and the power of your spirit for your glory, you will build your church. You will extend the gospel and you will establish people in it. And so, Lord, tonight we come to you, we commit uh, the Christmas season to you, Father, asking that you would help, that you would be on the move and bring a harvest. And as we think particularly about the Christmas offering, Lord, we're just going to take some time now around our tables uh, for one or two to pray to lift up these ministries before you, to pray for your abundant blessing and for the power of your Spirit to be at work. And so, Lord, we're just going to spend the next few minutes now to do just that, and then I'll close our time in prayer. So let's just spend a few minutes now praying uh, for the ministries of uh, Hope for Children and for uh, Caring for Life, and then I'll close our time.